This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein, and it is Victory Monday, perhaps the sweetest Victory Monday that we have encountered this entire season because this victory Monday means that the Packers have clinched their spot in the playoffs. They are the seventh seed in the NFC and they did so by beating the Chicago bears. So really not a sweeter way to actually get into the postseason. Perry, let's talk about it. Yeah. The Packers are going to the playoffs. Can you believe it? First year of Jordan loves career as the Packers franchise quarterback. Uh, what was meant to be a rebuild youngest team in NFL history, not just youngest team in the league in the year 2023, youngest team in NFL history. And they are going to the playoffs. It's really quite something. Um, Unbelievable way to do it. As you said, Um, not just against, you know, the division rival um, longest storied, rivalry I put in quotes if you're watching the video version of this because truly they are 10 and0 against the Bears in the last 10 games however um it was just such an amazing culmination I thought of everything this Packers team has been through the ups and downs of the season to go out and just full-scale domination of their opponent. Um, the score, I don't think, accurately reflects the fact that they really held this game um, the entire way through, all four quarters. Uh, it, it was close in terms of score, but I never really, in terms of play on the field, did I have a doubt that the Packers were going to pull this one out because um, they just outplayed their opponent at every turn. Um, we're going to start with the defense, but overall, is that was that how you felt as well? 
Yeah, I just I didn't know that when DJ Moore said they had a surprise for the Packers, it was that they were going to gift them a playoff opportunity. So really just nice from the Chicago Bears, a nice gesture for them to uh, to give the Packers the win there. But no, I mean, yeah, the, it was just the score, like you said, made it seem closer than it was. A couple missed opportunities. We can talk about the Bo Melton touchdown a little bit later, or I guess the touchdown that was overturned. Because um, mm-hmm. there were some weird officiating hiccups through this game. You know, I think a lot of questionable decisions. So yeah. if you look but at I think that. That's, yeah, but I think that's one of the best things about this win, though, right? Is because of all the officiating luck went the other way. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a ton of calls that you can look at over the course of this game. The fourth down that they very clearly stuffed that they gave the Bears the first down on. Um, the two overturned touchdowns. Um, in my mind and and in every which way, I think every call went the Bears way and the Packers still won. So there's really no denying here who was the better team on the field on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into it. Let's talk about the defense because as we are critical of the, the defensive coordinator and the players when they, you know, they do their best or call their best game, we also have to give them their flowers here and, you know, little asterisk here, of course, is that I don't think either of us think that all of a sudden Joe Barry's job is safe. I think, you yes. know, what we're talking about is likely his contract was ending at the end of this season. So it's not going to be some like grandiose gesture of him being fired or terminated or anything like that. I think there probably will be a decision to mutually part ways, but just a really pr- impressive all around performance from this defense. Five total sacks. Really cool to see all of the different contributions there. I thought he got really creative with some of the stunts and the pressures absolutely love getting Quay more involved because I think that when you have such a speedy inside linebacker, those are the kind of things that you can do when you have those freak athletes in the middle. So yeah, we'll talk about, I think all three levels, but definitely Joe Barry deserving of some credit here for holding this bears offense that was putting up a ton of points, not only to no touchdown, only three touchdown, three, only three field goals, but also containing Justin Fields, which we said going into this one was going to be probably the biggest task for them if they wanted to keep the game close and win it absolutely uh I mean it's never it's always like worthy of praise when you hold an NFL offense to not a single touchdown and you know sub 10 points um nine points is everything and it's not even that they were this was a you know Nick Mullins or you know I already forgot the third string quarterback for the what's his Jaren Hall Jaron Hall, thank you. This is not that situation. This is the Chicago Bears starting quarterback. This is a first round pick that they they kept to nine points, to your point. Um, additionally, and I'm glad you said it, but I, I want to expand upon it, is that this is the best rushing quarterback in the league. Like, not hyperbolically, he is statistically Justin Fields, the best rusher. He is always, almost always, their best rusher in terms of, like, when you look at the stats, you know, including all of their running backs. The Packers did an incredible job at containing him and has not been something this front has done successfully over the course of this season. So also awesome to see them kind of learn from some of their mistakes, Tommy DeVito, cough, cough, and um, be able to contain Justin Fields. And you saw it and you said it when you were able to, when they were able to do that, um, keep their gap integrity, it amounted to five sacks. 
incredible job by everyone. I mean, this was a full team, full front effort, and it amounted to pretty much everyone getting a piece. Lucas Van Ness got a sack. Carl Brooks got a sack. Kenny Clark got a sack. Devontae Wyatt got a sack. Quay Walker got a sack. Like every single person got a little moment because they played by such a cohesive unit. And I will say though, I think also rushing five really did the trick. This wasn't a rush three, rush four, drop into coverage. This was throw all your guys at the kitchen sink, contain Justin Fields. And it worked. We watched it. It worked well. So there's a winning formula here. And again, I think it's using your players to the best of their abilities. Yeah. And I mean, the bears going into this game had, they were ranked second in the league in attempts and rushing yardage. So like we knew what was coming for the Packers who historically this season have not been very good against the run. And even quarterbacks that aren't necessarily known for being as mobile, like Baker Mayfield Mm -hmm. had a ton of scrambling opportunities. So to see them play with such gap integrity was just really important. And we were talking about, you know, going up two weeks ago against the Cardinals. They had 250 rushing yards, 192 last week. And then to come in and put up 75 between the big three. So between Justin Fields and Khalil Herbert, because I think if you contained like even Khalil Herbert to 75 yards, you'd be like, that's a pretty good day on the ground. But to have all three of your rushers, including Justin Fields in that to 75 yards was just a, it cannot be understated. I think how significant that was. And what we're seeing again is this Packers team starting to get hot at the right time because there's always ebbs and flows in a season but you could argue that you know you're the Eagles and you get into the playoffs on a a one in five kind of record you're like kind of fumbling into into the postseason whereas the Packers now are coming off some really significant wins and building momentum and like you said for being the youngest team in the league just really impressive stuff yeah agreed um so I think too like this defense goes as the front goes Mm -hmm. and when the front is playing the way it was Sunday, it's just a recipe for success. Now, obviously playing with a lead is also something that is, that this is really important for this Packers defense. So something to keep an eye on and is obviously easier to do when you're playing the Chicago bears or, you know, a third string quarterback for the Vikings, et cetera, et cetera. So not sure what this is going to look like as we look ahead. We're not here to look ahead just yet. Tune in later this week, but (laughs) You know, it it can't be understated how important that is for this team. Now, that being said, you mentioned it, and I, I want to also take a look at how well this linebacking core played in this game. I think it was one of the better games, like you said, from Quay and from Dre. I love seeing Quay being used in his athleticism, and I also thought the secondary did a really nice job. Now, again, they're not going up against some of the best of the best. They will be continued. They will continue to be tested for sure. Um, that's, again, an understatement. Um, but it was great to see Carrington Valentine make a huge play on the ball, right? That probably saved what would have been a touchdown. Um, you saw Jair getting in there and really being the communicator on the back end of that defense the whole game. He had DJ Moore locked up. Again, having Joe Barry utilize his guys in the ways that is to the best of their abilities, having Jair shadow their best wide receiver did wonders. And that's not to say that Justin Fields didn't have his moments, right? I think especially in the first half, he was completing some passes he was finding spots in the zone but they really clamped down in the second half and 
he really they couldn't get much going on the ground they couldn't get much going through the air and obviously it resulted in nine points and the physicality from this defense is also something we've talked about like i remember even going back previewing the falcons game so we're talking week two at this point we had said you know one of the the things going into that game was that you've got jair who is loves to be physical but he's going up against like Drake London and Kyle Pitts and some really big receivers. So to see him kind of body up Cole Kmet in the end zone and break up what could have been a touchdown, really love to see that out of him. Yeah. Carrington Valentine to just have the recovery speed to get up there. I know everybody wanted yeah. a pick in the moment. That would have been great. But the fact that, you know, for a lot of DBs, that's a touchdown. So for him to go in and save that, just like you said, there's so much for this this team to build off of, and they're doing it at the right time. When we'll talk about it later in the week, like you said, but when they're going up against literally the the best offense in football in regards to points for, yeah, I'll take a PBU all day, every day, if it means it's a field goal and not a touchdown. So I'm with you. Um, all right, we we gave the defense their moment, but I think now it's time to talk about what we're all here to talk about, and that is. Jordan Love and this offense (laughs) because um, we just finished the regular season and I have a feeling you're pulling up the stats since you are our stat (laughs) queen. I'm going to let you read off the stats. Um, We know our roles here at Pax, what she said, but I think it is unequivocal at this point. We all are in agreement that Jordan Love is him. He is the future of this franchise. This was the statement win that I think we're all going to remember in years to come. I said at the beginning of the show, but first year as a starter, something Favre and Rogers did not do. And that's, you know, to, to caveat this, this is a team sport, the same right. team. However, that man was near perfect in this game. Obviously he had the fumble. That's okay. I was trying to make a play. It didn't end up mattering in the, in the long run, but he was near perfect in this game with a, what was it? 128 passer rating, 0.6 passer rating, 127 for 32, 316 yards, two touchdowns, probably should have been 129 for 32 and four touchdowns, but mm-hmm. we'll get there. Just an absolute statement win, had multiple huge throws in big moments, money on third down, money with pressure in his face unfazed, unrattled, all of it. I'm kind of running out of things to say (laughs) about him. Um, Feeling confident and impressed with 10 and this offense as a whole, but we did it. We found him again and it feels good. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, it's just, like you said, you're running out of ways to describe it. And we talked about it early in the season where we said that there was going to, there was going to need to be some patience because mm-hmm. the whole point of this, here's that buzzword again, ready drink, like the evaluation year of 2023 <laughs> was to see what you had in your quarterback. And there were some ebbs and flows and highs and lows because we're talking about an offensive line that was banged up and they were still trying to figure out their best five in the beginning of the season, missing your, your core pieces, you know, Christian Watson, unfortunately, has been out five games straight, and you know that's bothering him. We saw him coming off where he was really starting to ascend into the middle part of the season. Aaron Jones is back healthy. We will talk about him and some of his numbers. But to finally have everything kind of rolling to get Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave together on the field, it just, we this is what we needed. We needed to see patience, and we needed to see the young guys develop. We had said in the beginning of the season that easy things are hard and the hard things are impossible. Well, 
when you let guys play cohesively and build the reps and build the relationships, like how cool was it to find out earlier this week, even before the game, that Jordan Love was hosting film sessions and dinner at his house every Monday and that everybody's invited. It's for the offense, but the defense can come too. like, hey, if you want to study, come study that kind of stuff. Like we've talked about the dynamic in the locker room and not comparing other teams, but it just feels so different this season. And part of that could be because they're young and maybe this is the only way they've ever done it, right? They don't have as many vets telling them the way that they practice or the way that they do things, but just everything you'd want to see from Jordan. And I I did pull these numbers. I sent them to you last night because I was so fascinated by them, but the best four games of Jordan Love's young career, his first season as a starter came at Chicago in week one, then at Minnesota at Detroit and this last game versus Chicago being the best game of his his young career, all 123.2 or above. So yeah. just to, to have that kind of like relationship already with the rest of the NFC North is bananas. Yeah. I mean, you want to play your best games when they matter. Mm-hmm. And all of those games also really mattered, right? At Detroit was Thanksgiving in primetime at the Vikings was again in primetime, gotta have it game, basically. Like the lights are not too bright for him. And again, I, I have come back, I think, continuously over the course of the season to the like intangibles of Jordan Love. Mm-hmm. What makes you a leader? What makes you think that you can lead a franchise for a decade plus? And it's the lights are not too bright, right? Do you play up to your highest standard, right? What is your ceiling? Are you playing to that level? when it matters most. Um, And he does, right? In a gotta have it game, in a win and in scenario, you're not crumbling under pressure. You're leading this team in your best performance of the season, right? It's those kinds of moments. Um, And there are so many, so many stats that you can go to for him over the course of the season. I mean, the fact that he... I, I I can't, I mean, he is top two in touchdown passes. You know, he's going, we're going on the road, right, to the other team, the other quarterback who is the only one who's thrown more touchdown passes in this season. Um, most games with two pass touchdowns with no interceptions. Jordan Love with nine. Guess who else is on this list? Brock Purdy, Jared Goff, Dak Prescott. Two of those guys were in the MVP conversations for a large chunk of this season, right? So there are, and and I could go on and on and on. If you want, Zach Cruz, who's a great follow, has been tweeting out all the stats on Jordan Love. I mean, when he targets, and we're going to get into all the the weapons now, but like when he's targeting his rookies, how great he's been. Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, Dontavian Wicks. He's just been money in every single scenario. Um, and I think ever since really like the middle of the season, it's just been a steady climb upwards. And that is because the guys around him have also elevated along with him, right? The offensive line, like you said, have been playing more cohesively. The receivers are getting sharper and understanding the roles more and crisper route running, et cetera. Um, you're watching the rise of a guy like Tucker Craft is going like, I mean, night and day from the beginning of the season, just everyone is headed in the right direction together. It's been so awesome to watch. 
And I will say one of the things that's, you know, I think been really fascinating about this too, is just the trust already that Matt yeah. LaFleur has in his young quarterback that Jordan Love has with the receivers. Um, one of the plays that I wanted to talk about, um, and, you know, maybe it'll come up later in the show, but in case it doesn't, was the 59-yarder to Jaden Reed. Because when Matt LaFleur talked about it post-game, he was like, actually, Jaden Reed's like not even in Love's progression yeah. at that point. That was just love feeling out the defense, finding the opening and Reed being available and making a really good play. So something that, you know, off script shouldn't have even necessarily happened that they're they're picking up yardage. And unfortunately, this play ended in the fumble, obviously, for love. But again, he was trying to audible at the line because he didn't like the look that he saw from the defense. And unfortunately, the receivers must have missed the call or something. The ball was supposed to be like a quick out to the left and he takes the ball and runs and would have picked up a first down kept the chains moving if it weren't for the helmet hitting the ball and causing the fumble. So just that kind of stuff that's so high level for a quarterback that doesn't have that many in-game starts. And now he's got a season under his belt, so we probably can't say that anymore. But the kind of really high level stuff that you probably learn from sitting for a couple of years and not having to be the guy right away. Yes, 100%. And I'm so glad you brought the Jaden Reed, the big play up, because I think it is such a perfect like microcosm of why this offense is working so well, because it's amazing to watch Jordan Love do some very like vet things now. And I agree with you. I think it's a hundred percent because he was able to sit and learn and the reps are important, right? He's not doing this week one, but it's clicking faster, right? Because he's had all the time to learn. He's making checks at the line. He's directing guys appropriately. He's using his cadence. You can tell, like you said, all the trust that Matt LaFleur has in him to run this offense perfectly. And this is not him being a game manager because he is going off script. I think even that key, you know, third down to Tucker craft, that's a scramble. That's a scramble drill to win the game. That is a script. And again, that's trust in your guys. That is trust in your rookie third round pick tight end, right. Who's had probably, and I, I will continue in my love for 85 for a long time, but like, (laughs) Had probably has had probably the most like the highest level of development of all the rookies. I mean, tight end is already a very difficult position to acclimate to in the NFL. And he was not NFL ready when he came in in training camp and Luke Musgrave goes down and you step in like that. And your blocking is already, I mean, he had some key key blocks where Aaron Jones had some major runs in this game because Tucker Craft was in there blocking his ass off. I saw a comp. I want your thoughts on it. Um, that Tucker Craft is more of the George Kittle esque tight end, and Luke Musgrave is more of your Travis Kelsey esque tight end. And before you come at me in the comments, I'm not saying that's who they are. I'm just saying the type of tight end that they are. And I actually thought that was pretty apt because Kelsey is not really a blocker. Like he can block, but he's out there like a receiver. Right. And that's really what Musgrave is. But Kittle, Kittle is a blocker and Kittle will catch the passes and body you out. But the reason that he can catch passes is because you have to respect him as a blocker. And I think that's kind of who Kraft is starting to become. And now the Packers have two guys on the same team. that are kind of like the prototype. Yeah, and I think what's so interesting about this, too, is like you look at Josiah DeGora's snap counts, and I know he had the injuries, too, but yeah, it's just completely dipping because the Packers are so confident. Well, and going into the season, it was like, well, Josiah's probably still right up there because you've got two really young guys who are still learning the offense. And Tucker Craft, like you said, to start the season, 
whiffed on some blocks, wasn't really sure, you know, of what he was doing. And yeah, he just absolutely took some guys for a ride yesterday. And I do think those are apt comparisons because when I think of George Kittle, I think of somebody, I think he's been quoted saying like tight end is the best position because you get to run people over and then you occasionally get to catch the ball. Like you yeah. get to to man up against someone and throw them around and then be like, oh, I'm open here. I'm also get to like occasionally score touchdowns, which is fun. And that to me is just like who Tucker Craft I think is at this point. Um, but well, yeah, I think, he, I think that to me. <laughs> yeah, hundred um, percent. Talk about let's talk about the guy that uh, they sprung the runs for. Aaron Jones last three games cannot say enough about him. 21 attempts for 127 yards versus Carolina, six yard average per carry. 20 attempts, 120 yards versus Minnesota, six yards per carry. 22 attempts for 111 yards against Chicago, five yard average. 130 plus scrimmage yards from Aaron Jones in three straight contests. And now you have a fresh legged Aaron Jones playing yeah. his best football on an offense that's ascending going into the playoffs. Well, let's not forget also his five catches for 30 yards in this game. Absolutely. He gets involved in the pass game as well, which is just like he is an unfair weapon. And I think I said this to you maybe after last week's game. I said, if the Packers get into the playoffs, if they somehow do this and they have a fresh legged Aaron Jones when everyone else's running backs have had a full season and are tired, yikes, watch out. And it's been a tough season for 33. You know he wants to be out there, right? You know, you know it kills him that he cannot play, but he has had way less touches than everybody else now. And he, when he is out there, it is night and day. He is lightning in a bottle. It's just, it's electric. And in moments where you got to have the first down. I mean, they have a bunch of guys now where in got to have first down moments, you can go to them, but you know, he's going to pick up yardage. He could get hit in the backfield and you think it's going to be a loss of three and he turns it into a plus of three. He is just that good. Like he has not lost a beat and it's, he's, I think going to be, I mean, if, if, somehow some way they find a way to win in Dallas and again this is not our Dallas preview show but <laughs> it's going to be because Aaron Jones goes off which he historically has done against yeah. Dallas you know there's some very famous yeah. pictures of Aaron Jones if you google them <laughs> yeah but we said going into the season like what better weapon to have for a young quarterback than your vet like one of the best running backs in the league and unfortunately Jordan didn't have Aaron Jones for the whole season but to see this offense at almost its height not full height because they're still missing a few guys but to see this offense at its most peak that we've seen so far this season with Aaron Jones in is really fun and really excited. And I find I'd be hard pressed to imagine that they don't bring him back next season. Yeah. I put it on Twitter, but you know, Aaron Jones is one of those players that like just completely transcends however you feel about him as a football player, which obviously is fantastic. He's an incredible football player who he is as a human being and a locker room leader. Like, those things cannot 
go unnoticed, cannot be mm-hmm. undersold as, especially when we're talking about, once again, the youngest offense and the youngest team to make the postseason. Like you need guys like Aaron Jones that come up in clutch moments. And we talked about, you know, AJ Dillon in moments this season was kind of a security blanket for Jordan Love. And no disrespect to, to AJ Dillon because he has had some really nice games and you can tell that they do have a relationship, but it felt like Aaron Jones was just constantly available in the middle for a quick dump off. Yes. If, if Jordan needed him against the bears and we've seen saw it week one on his touchdown when Aaron Jones is paired up with an inside linebacker advantage, Aaron Jones. So like, there's just so many mismatches that he provides. And I think it was Wes Hodkowitz that tweeted that he had now eclipsed 8,000 career yards for the Packers. Mm -hmm. So just, just an all time great. And definitely one of those players that you want to be in green and gold forever. He's he's in the Donald Driver tier at this point. There's very few Packers who really kind of transcend all levels from a talent and an effort and a team first mentality. And he is one of those players. And a belovedness. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree with you. Um, before we do our closing remarks, I think let's talk about these young wideouts really quick because all of them had huge days. Um, from Jaden Reed's over a hundred yard day. I know we touched on his big play, but I think he made big plays all afternoon um, to Bo Melton and his five catches for 62 yards. Unfortunately, the touchdown didn't count. Although between you and me, if the DJ Moore bounce off the turf counted, I don't know how Bo Melton's touchdown didn't count, but sue me. I'm not a ref to Dontavian Wicks having six yards for 61 and two tuds. Um, I love this core. Um, We have talked ad nauseum about how this team doesn't need a one and how they spread the wealth. And again, once again, I think it shows up in another game, how well that works for this offense. Um, They have a plethora of riches all of a sudden at the wide receiver position, insane depth, all different kinds of receivers. Uh, I do want to gush just really quick about Dontavian Wicks. Uh, I did, if you watch the post-game live I did with Andy Herman, this is going to be redundant for you, so I apologize, but I'm just so impressed by a rookie fifth-round pick. It's unbelievable to me. I mean, it's one thing if you're a first or a second rounder and you kind of expect to be, you know, a polished receiver coming into the league at this point with the way the college is, but you're a fifth round pick man and you have that level of separation and those tricks coming off the line. I mean, he's just, he's leaps and bounds ahead of, I think what you would expect him where you would expect him to be. Um, And Goot smashed this draft out of the park between him and Reed and Luke and Tucker. Uh, the core is the core is there at least for the next three to four years, the core is there and it's really exciting. Um, and they showed out and it's going to be really cool to see how they do against one of the best defenses in the league. Um, going to be a huge test coming up, but really awesome, really awesome from the young guys. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's just like, it's such a case study. Like, I hope there's like a 30 for 30 on Brian Gutekunst someday because 
you know, we're talking about the buzzword evaluating Jordan Love. And he's like, you know what? If I'm going to evaluate this young guy, I better give him just a shitload of talent. <laughs> he goes and gets two tight ends that are incredibly dynamic. He invests a second round pick, which the Packers historically are very good at finding receivers. And he's like, well, let's round this thing out. Let's grab one in the fifth and the seventh. Like, obviously, we haven't seen DeBose a ton yet. But yeah, just I think what's so interesting about this this receiving core is guys like Bo Melton, Malik Keith, probably wide receiver five, wide receiver six on any roster and probably mm-hmm. don't even get these kinds of opportunities in most circumstances. Going into the game, Christian Watson, arguably your wide receiver one, at least going into the season, unable to go. Um, Matt LaFleur had called that a little bit of trickery, which I thought was funny, saying it seemed like uh, Watson wasn't going to be able to play, but he wanted to, you know, have a little advantage against the Bears. Um, but you lose Good your... Match. If, if let's say then, you know, without Watson, Romeo Dobbs is your one first series of the game and you lose him to the chest injury. Then you have a bunch of rookies who, yes, they have a season's worth of experience, but you're without your two quote unquote vets as second year players in that locker room. And the fact that Reed and Melton and Wicks and all these guys came up in big moments just shows you what they're capable of. And I know we'll we'll talk about this quite a bit, especially leading up to the draft, but it's really hard for me to think that this is a team that would even need a, a quote-unquote wide receiver one. And we said a couple weeks ago that we think the Packers might already have one and we think they'll hit a thousand yards next season. But yeah, I, I don't know how you could look at that, that room and think that they're somehow lacking weapons. Oh, they're not. They're for sure not. If anything, when they're all healthy, good luck to Matt figuring out how to use all of them. <laughs> Too many once. cooks. Yeah, too many, not just so many, not too many, just so many. Um, Closing remarks, I want to throw out there that I think Brian Gutekunst needs to be exec of the year. I think the case is clear in terms of what he did bridging the last regime to the new regime with 10 the contributions he got from the rookie class this season was outstanding. I don't know if there's like, he took so much hate, so much hate for years. And he waited patiently and patiently to show everyone that Jordan love was it kind of his, this is his Ted Thompson moment. Um, So I'm throwing his name in the ring. I'm sure it's already there. But I'm just, I'm so impressed with the way this team just like rallied and bounced back from a few roller coaster moments. Like this was not smooth sailing. This was not a linear, just get better over the course of the season. They were two and five and then had two really big wins and then hit a wall and then came back and rallied for the end of the season to make the playoffs. And um, they have a grit and a determination that we have not necessarily seen in Packers teams of the past and it's refreshing and exciting and I really enjoyed really 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 enjoyed this regular season in a way I haven't enjoyed one for quite some time yeah I think you know people thought that we were absolutely insane to say that we were excited for this season because when you're spoiled with a Hall of Fame quarterback for as long as the Packers and Packers fans have been thinking about potentially giving that up is supposed to be scary and you're used to the postseason every season 
and you have these expectations and you know even the packers themselves say like green and gold means winning there's a culture here you win football games you go to the playoffs you make super bowl runs like that is what we do in title town so to not know going into the season what that was going to look like nobody knew if jordan love was going to be the guy you know there was Rashawn Gary, a lot of guys from the jump knew it in the locker room, but for everybody outside mm-hmm. of 1265, we weren't sure. And there was a newness to it, and it kind of felt like an adventure. But again, a lot of fan bases, a lot of talking heads. Everybody thought that Packers fans that were excited about this season were crazy. Because why would you possibly be excited to not have a Hall of Fame quarterback anymore? And this is, of course, not to say that Jordan Love is a Hall of Famer, but to go and see this young offense that we've, we've kind of said all season, right? Like they don't know any better. Like they don't necessarily know winning to this caliber, but they also don't know losing to this kind of caliber. And we said going into the playoffs, like it's house money. The playoffs are the cherry on the cake. I don't think it is. Like, I think they're at a point where getting to the playoffs, obviously, yes, was the icing on a season on a season that was meant for evaluation, but like this team can do some things. And we've seen them do it. And I think that's why this season has been so unexpectedly fun and enjoyable because there wasn't necessarily pressure. And we had said, yes, that we thought they were going to go 10 and seven. You know, we still had the expectations as fans, but it was just refreshing to see such contributions from really young players. Because what's fun about that is you think about what next season is going to look like in a couple seasons from now when the team continues to grow together with all of these really impressive pieces that, you know, quote unquote, we're playing with house money this year. So really, really excited to see what they do against Dallas next Sunday. Yeah. So stay tuned. <laughs> we will be coming at you with an unexpected, pleasant surprise of a preview show. Pax what she said wild card weekend preview show guys the season is not over we are still here previewing games it is january we have not cleaned out our podcasting lockers we are in the building we are (laughs) ready ready to go but yeah that'll drop later this week obviously very excited to talk about mike mccarthy talk about this cowboys offense talk about how the packers match up here dan quinn really big test on the defensive side of the ball so but Yeah, lots of fun. Can't wait to get to talk about the Packers in the postseason with Jordan Love at the helm. Thank you for listening to the show. This has been the Pax What She Said podcast. You can find us on Twitter at PWSS Podcast and all other platforms at Pax What She Said. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. If you're following us on YouTube, thank you so much. Please like and subscribe if you haven't already. We really appreciate it. And if you're listening to the audio version of the show, Thank you for doing that as well. Continue to download and share the show because we appreciate that as well. And we'll be back talking about the Green Bay Packers in the playoffs. Cannot wait. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.